Okay, people. from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to, to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent tricked me and I ate.
I never had paused on before. And, and God walked me at the time of the evening. I probably had blocked over there. So, interesting, the number of people in the postings commented on. I've never seen it said that before. Not that it did, but something about it. But she couldn't possibly have known at the time. She's not sitting in heaven. She's waiting to be waiting. She's sitting around, uh, asleep. But one day she's going to wake up and then she'll know. Just as well, she'll be in heaven there. Otherwise, you don't, you don't realize the implications
and lead one another into sin. Uh-huh. Yeah, with, yeah. Mm-hmm. If only Adam had spoken up at the right moment, then the whole thing would have been, you know, subverted. Well 
gracious God, we thank you that knowing of your grace, we can face the enormity, the horror of that story that we've read um, the more because we see you in it as the God of grace and mercy who reaches out and wants to talk even when things have gone so disastrously wrong. We thank you for that grace that persisted through Israel's story and was the uh, reaction that sent Christ to die for us. So we thank you that we are able to walk with you despite what happened in that story. In Jesus' name. Well, now, it was a great relief. The brutal thing worked all right, right? I did at my end. Um, the only odd thing that I noticed, really, I think, was the... Um, was it all Max that it was printing the um, font information at the beginning? Do you know what I mean? It was a Mac thing. Okay. Because it didn't used to start with the old uh, And so I'll, uh, I'll get in touch with the um, technology guys and see what they're doing. Yes. I'll see if there's a way of, um, of making it not uh, show up to avoid you having to do that. But um, until, or uh, if we if don't succeed in that, then uh, do that if you want to look nice. Um, uh, one or two people posted uh, attachments. It's easy for us. You will do it by system place. Um, and I don't think I need to say anything else about that. Uh, one thing that Jennifer just brought my attention to is that I'll put the dates. We, we invite you over to our house after class uh, two evenings, the first of which is next Wednesday. Um, and it tells you how, how that works in the opening pages, but it's got the dates wrong. So I apologise for that. It says July the 2nd and 14th, I think, in the syllabus pages. But when we come to the evenings, it's got the, the note that it is dessert night correctly on the 1st and the 13th. Obviously, the second and the fourteenth, we'll all be doing different things. Not sitting in the, well, you may be sitting in this classroom, but now we're standing there. Uh, so uh, you're welcome to come and have um, scones and tea uh, next Wednesday evening if you're free. Um, if you weren't here on Wednesday, you ought to come and sign the uh, VCA form. Uh, this is the regular kind of roster. You'll see it's got a column for Monday. Did I say if you were here on Wednesday? Did I say, if you were here on Monday, did I say that right? Pardon? I said Wednesday. Okay, let's that. Uh, if, you were, if, you were, if you weren't here on Monday, then come and sign this video. Uh, here's the regular roster, which you'll see has got a column for Monday as well as Wednesday. So, if you were here on Monday, check for Monday as well as checking for tonight. Right? on Monday to the thing called the outline of Old Testament history in the um, stuff for Monday. So I'm going to have a look at that now. So on, I'm starting off on page 25, where it says outline of OT history at the top. Now, in some ways, not a lot of this is relevant to the Pentateuch, because the Pentateuch only occupies about the top three lines. Uh, in another sense, uh, I'll seek to show how it's quite significant in terms of 
uh, when the Pentateuch might have been written, and the process whereby you uh, look at different elements uh, within the Torah against the background of the historical periods in which at least Israel um, was, was reading the Torah. So for you to get an outline of that history into your heads will be good for you throughout your lives, as well as over the next five weeks. So on page 25, where it says outline of what is in history, you'll see in the extreme left-hand column is the dates by century, uh, with as near as I can do. It's the same amount of time for each century, no matter how many important things are important to there. Um, and then you'll see in the right-hand column, in the bottom half of it, the, the great empires that were significant through much of Israel's history. Um, and it's also uh, extremely useful to you if you know about those empires and realize their significance and realize what order they came in and how these different empires were having huge uh, effect on Israel through its story, not within the times of the Pentateuch, but within the times, not within the times referred to in the Pentateuch, uh, but within the uh, times that the Pentateuch was being read and probably when it was being written. So there are the great empires, the Assyrians, um, the first great Middle Eastern Empire, um, and the Babylonians, who succeeded them, both in the sort of area uh, of where Iraq is now, but Assyria more to the north, and Babylonia more to the south. Um, and then Persia, uh, which you've been reading about in the papers in the last week or two, that's Iran, and which embraces the same area, but also the area further east. So, um, three great Middle Eastern empires, then Assyria and Babylon and Persia, uh, running up from the 8th century, the time of the first uh, great prophets, through into the exile and after the exile. And then relatively late on in Old Testament times, well, after the Babylonians have got rid of the Assyrians and the Persians have got rid of the Babylonians, uh, the Europeans show up and the Greeks get rid of the Persians. Um, and take over most of that great Eastern Empire, plus uh, the eastern end of the Mediterranean. Short-lived, uh, a short-lived empire of Alexander's, because uh, Alexander dies just three or four years after he conquers the Middle East. And his empire splits, uh, and the two parts of his old empire that are particularly significant for Israel are Syria and Egypt. Well, they won't be, because um, Palestine, uh, Canaan, has always been, as it were, the dog's bone between these two big dogs. The, the, the bone that these two uh, big dogs are fighting over. And in that period, in the 3rd century and the 2nd century, sometimes Israel is under the control of Syria, uh, sometimes it's under the control of Egypt. Uh, in the course of um, those arguments, in the middle of the 2nd century, the, uh, the Syrian king Antiochus IV seeks to impose Ptolemy uh, Syrian political control and Syrian worship on the temple of Jerusalem. They have to keep Jews, keep the Jews, and everything. And he sets up the first abomination of desolation, whatever that was, uh, in the temple of Jerusalem. And that provokes the uh, Jewish people in Jerusalem into uh, a revolt in order to insist on being faithful uh, to their God, which amazingly uh, leads to them winning a victory over Antiochus. So for 100 years then they uh, are able to control their own destiny 
um, until the arrival of the Romans, and that really is not known, the New Testament starts not there. That's a great empire on that right hand side. Now, let me go back to the beginning, to the middle column, with the, the hard gates in. Uh, the, uh, I haven't attempted to date at the creation. I'm stupid, but I'm not that stupid. Um, I haven't even attempted to date uh, Abraham and Co. because some, they come sometime in the second millennium BC, but nobody really knows precisely how to date them. Uh, I am pretty sure that the right kind of dates, well, not the time, most people are pretty sure that the right kind of dates for the Exodus are in the 14th century. Uh, so something like 1216 is the date of the Exodus, and therefore 1220 time when the Exodus group got into the land. That leads into the period of the judges. So there is just the one of the greatest, the one greatest judge, Deborah, uh, as um, an example of the judges period. There then are the three kings who ruled over uh, the entirety of Israel um, as kings, Saul, David, and Solomon. But after Solomon's day, because um, the success was stupid, um, the nation split into two. The northern um, Plans, uh, went off to be on their own. Um, they are often referred to in the story as Israel, but that's confusing because everybody is Israel. Uh, they're sometimes referred to in the story as Ephraim, uh, and that's less confusing. So I try to refer to the two kingdoms as Ephraim and Judah. That's the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Uh, Ephraim as the, big, the biggest or the most powerful of the northern clans, Judah as the biggest and most powerful of the southern clans. So from 930 onwards, uh, there are two, two halves of Israel, or uh, two parts of Israel. The north is much, much larger than the south. Um, the ninth century, you start uh, getting prophets who've got, um, who, who make a big noise within the story, but they don't get books named after them. Uh, Elijah and Elisha, two brothers. In the eighth century, um, the, the guys who, you start getting the guys who do get books named after them. Isaiah, Micah. In the context of the assertion of Assyrian control over Palestine, and the context that leads to the fall of the northern kingdom, the fall of Ukraine, uh, to the Assyrians in 722. Uh, so from then on, the story is the story of the Judah. Um, in the, uh, another century later, in about 622, uh, is the, the context of the rise of Babylon, and Babylon taking control over the Assyrians, <coughs> is the reform of Josiah, which you can read about in uh, the books of Kings. And, uh, and at this point, it's the significance of this story for the Pentateuch um, is, particular, is particularly uh, important. Because um, you read the story of Josiah finding a Torah scroll uh, in the temple while they, while they were in the midst of the Bible, uh, and uh, he reads it and um, gets into a state of panic about what he reads there because he realizes A, what they haven't been doing, they should have been doing, B, they have been, what they have been doing, they shouldn't have been doing, and C, the kind of warnings that God gives about people who don't do the things that they're supposed to do and do, do the things that they're not supposed to do. And if you compare the kind of things that Josiah does in order to faithfully act of Judah with the Torah, then it's in Deuteronomy that you find most overlap between what Josiah did um, and, and what Deuteronomy says you should do. Um, so it looks like Deuteronomy is the uh, Torah scroll that Josiah found. That doesn't necessarily mean that it would have only just been written then, though I guess that's the doctrine's whole review. Uh, it could
could have been, uh, could have slipped down the um, air conditioning um, equipment in the temple several centuries previously. But it could have just slipped down five minutes previously. Uh, what is the case is that it looks as if this is the moment that Deuteronomy starts having, having an effect on Judah's life. It wasn't just written then, and that's when it started. Josiah then tries to clean up the situation in Judah, but fails. Um, and as do the prophets Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And that leads to the fall um, of Judah in the same way as Ephraim had fallen a century plus previously. And to uh, people being, some people being taken off into exile uh, for uh, the bulk of the 6th century. Then uh, they are able to come back when this next change of empires happens and the Persians see the Babylonians off. Uh, the Judean exiles are free to return. Um, that's the context of the prophecies in, our, in the last part of Isaiah and Haggai and Zechariah. Then in the next century, uh, as I was trying to go today, um, Ezra comes back, uh, I say comes back, but I don't know that it had ever been um, to Jerusalem before. Uh, Ezra is commissioned to um, go to Jerusalem um, from Babylon uh, and uh, takes with him, he as a scribe was an expert in the Torah. Uh, and he brings his Torah scroll, it looks as if it was rather bigger um, than Jeremiah's, um, to Palestine uh, and seeks to get the people in Jerusalem to start living in accordance with the Torah. But it's kind of repeating um, Josiah's trick thereby. Um, but to judge from what you read in Ezra and Nehemiah, um, with um, material that comes from more or less the whole of what we think of, uh, what the Torah eventually is. So, as I mentioned uh, the other day, uh, it's, uh, it will be a plausible view this is the moment in which the Torah as a whole um, is in existence. That's an outline of the Old Testament history. If that is totally confusing, and no idea where, what all that was about, and um, you need that more slowly, then you'll find on my Fuller webpage um, a kind of 10, 15 page prose telling you the story uh, of Israel. And if you read that and learn that, you will have an even more wonderfully uh, fruitful life in history. <laughs> but uh, does anybody want to ask anything about history? Now. If not, then um, on to the relationship between Genesis 1 and ancient Near Eastern creation stories, which one or two people asked about in their postings. It's lovely that I'm going to say things that you ask about. I feel really kind of clever um, when, when you ask things that uh, I'm going to do anyway. It makes me feel slightly less boring, you know. Um, the, if, you, if you go right to the back uh, of, the, um, of the syllabus and course notes, uh, you will find a Babylonian creation story. Um, in my page numbers, it's, one, it's 130, but I'm not sure whether it will be yours. Is that right? Great! My page numbers are better than I thought they were. If one does play with the idea that the Torah, as we have it, um, comes into existence by the period after the exile, um, and you think then of the um, people of Judah in exile 
uh, with the Pentateuch as we know it not yet in existence. Um, and, and then coming into contact with the nature of Babylonian religion, uh, Babylonian beliefs, and probably being rather threatened by them. Because after all, the Babylonians have destroyed the Temple in Jerusalem. So much for Yahweh. So much for the God of Israel. Not much of a God that, eh? And you get taken off into exile and kill these um, impressive uh, cities uh, of Middle Eastern civilization, so much more impressive uh, than Judah. Here are their temples. Here are the great images of their gods. And here are the great stories about how their gods brought the world into existence. And it's, well, it's a crisis for faith that Jerusalem was destroyed in 587. But it then takes that crisis further when you are in exile and you see the nature of this faith that the people helping you. The Babylonian creation story is then one of their key religious documents. So what I invite you to do now for five minutes uh, is to read down those three pages, the Babylonian creation story. Um, you see I've said at the top there that it may have been originally composed in about the time of Joshua. It comprises about 900 lines on seven tablets, uh, though there's a very large amount of repetition on these tablets. When Judeans were transported to Babylon in 587, this Babylonian creation story was recited each year at the New Year festival in Marduk's temple in Babylon. So it's a celebration of Marduk and of Babylon to which the story of creation was subservient. It explains how the obscure god of Babylon, Marduk, came to be king of the gods therefore how Babylon came to be the capital of its world. So, read, through those, read down those three pages and see what there are by way of points of comparison, points of contrast between Genesis 1 um, that we read together on Monday. Okay? Five minutes to